Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. I'm driving in my car. I turn on the radio. You nice. want me to keep going? <laughs> I kind of expected you to. I could pull you a little closer, but I'm sure you would say no. Oh, I'm going to say no. Believe okay. me. That's going to lead into our discussion. But before we get into that, we've got a little, um, well, Facebook feedback. <laughs> Chris just gets so tickled that I do that now. Yes, Actually. and, and plus brought back the uh, yeah the 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 shouting because because people will tell me people they missed write. the old listener mail intro. Uh, you guys that was, are that was tamer though than the listener mail was. Yeah, yeah, a little. The listener mail people are masochists. I mean, I'm not. I enjoy doing it too. At any rate, let's get to the actual feedback, shall we? Phil 
left this Facebook feedback. Hmm. Not that, Phil. He says, hey, guys, since Fallout New Vegas is coming out this Tuesday, you should probably do a podcast on the whole series. You know you want to. Uh, well, Phil, you're, you're right. I mean, I love Fallout. Uh, I love Fallout 3 in particular. Uh, that's really where I started playing the series was Fallout 3 when it came out for the Xbox 360. But we usually focus on games that have an even longer history than Fallout does or is something that's complete or there's been a lot of um, controversy around it, particularly when you think the game's never going to come out. <clears throat> but uh, that's not the case with Fallout New Vegas. And since we don't cover new games, we don't cover news, as it were, uh, we're just going to have to leave it to the fact that the games are pretty cool. Also, if you want to annoy Veronica Belmont, you can ask her why she didn't voice the character of Veronica and instead it was Felicia Day because she loves that. Don't tell her I said it. Tell her that Josh and Chuck of Stuff You Should Know said it. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that that's funny because we get a lot of questions uh, now that you mention it. Um, now that we don't get so many questions about how to tech people's computer problems, uh, which is good because it's right. kind of difficult to do that in our in our roles. We uh we do get a lot of questions about what product is better than another product or which computer to choose or stuff like that. And it's difficult for us because uh we don't do reviews at howstuffworks.com. The site doesn't really do review um you know, entries or anything like that. Occasionally we'll talk about something on the blogs, but not in, not really as a, a product review. And it's sort of difficult for us to tell you, you know, which model of headphone to buy or which video game is worth your money. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, of course we, we talk to other, uh, journalists and can point you in a ton of different directions as far as, uh, quality resource, resources on that. And unfortunately in this particular case, I've never played any of the Fallout series, although I was aware of it from the very, from the very beginning, it was one of those games that I always meant to get to, and then never did. It's it's a, definitely an interesting series, and I am eager to play Fallout New Vegas. Actually, my wife last night offered to drive over and pick up a copy for me, but I had wow. just purchased three new games, and I was like, I can't justify spending that much on yet another new game after I just bought three. So maybe, maybe we can mention it later. You yeah, can tell us what you think when you get around to it. Sure. Yeah, that'll be sometime in 2013. Yeah, I know. Okay. There are a lot of titles right now. So let's go on to the actual topic of the day. And the, today we're going to talk about autonomous vehicles, self-driving cars. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, have a, I have a little statistic to throw out before we really dive into this. Mm-hmm. So according to the Texas Transportation Institute, which does these big annual studies on traffic and and uh, uh, commute times, that kind of stuff, well, across course, the United States. Of course they're big. They're from Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mess with them. Uh, but they, they do state by state. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't concentrate on just Texas. Uh, they calculated using uh, new calculations, actually. They just mm-hmm. came out with a new way of calculating. Um, a the, new method. A new method, right. Mm-hmm. A new algorithm, really, to, to calculate averages that they think will be more accurate than previous ones. Um, but they said that the Average annual delay in hours due to traffic in 2007, which is the latest that they had data available, Mm -hmm. was around 29 hours per year. Uh That's the average. Wow. The worst city in the United States, can you guess? Do we live in it? No. We live in the third worst. Oh, okay. D.C.? 
DC's second worst. <sighs> what is worse than Atlanta and DC? LA. I love LA. <laughs> Los Angeles, you top out the nation with 69.5 hours of delay each year due to traffic. So, yeah, almost three full days lost every year sitting in the car due to traffic. Wow. So uh, there are ways that we could address these traffic problems. The traditional way is you build more roads, which unfortunately turns out doesn't really help so much. just means you get more people on the road. That's funny because I thought where we were going. We don't need roads? Yeah. Ah, nice. Uh, but another method is to try and take the human element out of the equation. Yeah, you know what? It's it's funny. Um, long before we came to work for Discovery Communications, um, I fell in love with a series of articles written by Hannah Holmes on Discovery.com, which, uh, according to my iPad, they still exist. They're still up there. Hey. Uh, she did a series called The Skinny On. And uh, one of my favorites was uh, Traffic Jam Ghosts. You know those times when you're uh, you're backed up in traffic on the expressway, or you know even on a regular street, and you know it's just it's just bad. Every all the lanes are backed up, and you're inching along, and then suddenly there's nothing there, and everybody's driving like normal. Well, as right. it turns out, that is due to human error. Like yeah. one, there was something there at some point, but because people are not all moving at the same rate of speed, um, it takes a while for that that uh, glut to dissipate again. Yeah, there's a uh, uh, it. That's that's a very good point because we're not all we're we're humans. Mm-hmm. We all have our own reactions and our own sure. way of dealing with things, mm-hmm. and uh, and so something tiny can develop into a huge traffic jam. Let's say that let's say that the traffic is heavy but moving. Right. Right? Uh, and you think, well, as long as the road has the capacity to hold the number of cars that are on it, traffic should keep moving. There's no reason why traffic should stop. Until you think, all right, well, someone taps on their brakes. Mm-hmm. Now the person behind that car Will react in one of various ways. Now, if they if they just tap on their brakes, if everyone just tapped on their brakes, then you would have a slight slowing, but everything would keep moving. But some people will hit their brakes harder, or they will move into another lane, which will then cause someone else behind them to react. Mm-hmm. And this is a domino effect, and it'll keep going back, and it, and it will cause traffic jams and congestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, you can always have an event that's much more severe than that, like a crash or uh, some debris in the road or weather conditions or whatever. Or but, ladders in Atlanta. Or ladders or, you know, or zebras. <laughs> there was the time the zebra got on I the highway. the zebra, but yeah, you're right. Uh, at any rate, those things can all also clearly cause traffic jams. Sure. But, but a lot of it does come from just that initial human reaction to an event that then balloons out of control as far as traffic is concerned as other people react to that first person's reaction. Mm-hmm. So it just... It, Becomes a chain reaction, or or don't react. In which case, there's another accident, yeah, which well, causes that, even more problems. Right, right, and and there doesn't even necessarily have to be an accident at all. It could, like right. I said, just be as simple as someone tapping on their brakes. So, creating an automated driving vehicle, in a way, sounds like this could help take care of this sort of problem because the the automated driving vehicles are going to react much more quickly than humans can sure. and theoretically in a way that's going to be safer than just a human like quick gut reaction also they don't get distracted by stuff like the pretty girl in the car next to you hey baby how you doing yeah <laughs> 
I see uh. you drive cars. Um, uh, or the, uh, or say something, something on the side of the road or, or the song that came on the radio is the song that you hate the most in the world or you love the most in the world. And so your attention is pulled away from the road for just a little bit while you either, you know, try to punch a hole in your radio or you do the chair dance, which I'm mm-hmm. doing right now. You can't tell, but Chris can. I can tell. Anyway. Stop it. Okay. So automated cars would not, obviously would not fall victim to these sort of problems. I mean, they wouldn't be like, hey, look at the circuits on that car next. Hey, baby, I see you like to drive. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do that. Um, unless it's maybe Kit and he's had a little too much oil. Transmission fluid. Anyway, so uh, I don't know how I got off on this goofy tangent. It's probably because I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, so the... The, that would make, theoretically, would make driving safer. Assuming that, of course, lots of people have these cars. I mean, you, you take the human error element out. There are other problems that will come into play and we'll talk about them. But, um, theoretically, it would mean that traffic would move, move more smoothly and there'd be fewer accidents. In fact, that was a, a big point that was made recently in a, a discussion that we'll get to about self-driving cars and how they could, in theory, cut traffic fatalities in half or more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, despite the fact that this has been in the news a lot lately with a uh, venture we will discuss in a minute, uh, this is certainly not a new idea by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Yeah. Actually, uh, I came across a great post on Technologizer by Harry McCracken, mm-hmm. who kind of did a, a walk down memory lane with various uh, stories about predictions for self-driving automobiles, the first of which dated from 1933 in Popular Science. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now he said, well, uh, I'm sorry, Popular Mechanics. Popular Mechanics. Popular mechanics. Yeah, a lot of the... Uh, he, he listed several of them. Um, it seems like he, they were either in Popular Science or Popular Mechanics, yeah. but the first was Popular Mechanics. Um, and basically, it, it seemed kind of far-fetched. Uh, at least based on the the uh, section at the time, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were they were looking at the the fact that you had garage door openers. Yeah. Saying, well, I mean, if you can automate that, we can get the car to back out of the driveway itself and turn itself on. Right. Actually, we well, go the other way. Well, yeah. Turn itself on, then back out. Well, it depends. Uh, but, all right. <laughs> I mean, if it, were, if it were backing itself out, yes. But I mean, you could also there are other things you could have. Yes, you could have some sort of automated sliding right. platform. Yeah, or something like that. So I mean, yeah, and th- that it doesn't seem that far fetched. But yeah, it probably was uh, a little for the time, especially you know, based on the technology they had available to them. And then the fifties rolled around, and yeah. everybody got into that uh, that futuristic. Future mode. Yeah, that the same same sort of uh, futuristic optimism that gave us Disneyland's Tomorrowland. That's funny you should mention that. You had a feeling I was going to mention this, didn't you? No. Uh, this was, I, was, I just randomly decided to say that, right? I, this is perfectly honest. I did not know you were going to mention Disneyland. The, uh, the long, very long-term listeners will remember that I brought up a specific episode of the Disneyland TV show uh, from 1958. Oddly, that's the same year that some of these other articles from Popular Mechanics and Popular Science came out. Yep. Uh, with the Magic Highway USA 
clip. Oh, right, right, right. I remember, I remember you showed that? you showed me that clip. Yeah, yeah. And they had they had all kinds of stuff. Electric eyes would be embedded in the road, so they would light up at night, and you could drive on them. And they'll have automatic signs that will tell you, you know, where to go because it knows where you're going. So, say you're going to uh, Lake Tahoe, it will say, "Oh, well, you want to turn right 17 miles up ahead," and things like that. They had all sorts of far-fetched stuff, like it could tell you what the traffic is in your car, so you know where there's a traffic jam up ahead, and your rearview mirror will be replaced by a camera. Oh, wait, those last two actually uh, they, uh, they actually came happened, true. yeah. Uh, but there were there were other things like uh, it, it did get into the whole thing. Well, you you'll insert a punch card into your car, and it will automatically program the route for you so you so dad can take a conference call on his uh video monitor in front of him or knock back five or six scotches because this is the late 50s it wasn't in it it, that didn't happen in the disneyland oh right right sorry sorry but also they had the car that breaks up so mom and and the kids go in one direction (laughs) while dad goes in the other direction so it's yeah little individual personal transports kind of like the jetsons yeah it it wasn't uh you know that that seems even more realistic than the part where you get to the side of the building and the whole outside of the building lifts you to the level you're supposed to be on. We'll get to that, though, because that (laughs) idea continued in a little movie called Minority Report, but we'll get to that. So uh, the other, the the articles you you alluded to in in 1958, Mm -hmm. there was one in popular science called The Car That Drives Itself and one in popular mechanics called This Car Has Electric Brains. Brains. So this was really the time when uh, engineers were kind of looking at ways to automate a lot of the processes in a car. Um, The 1958 one was an interesting one because that was a, a proposal to embed along highways radio control boxes. Yeah, this is the one in popular science. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the idea would be to use these radio control boxes to guide cars through various highway systems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the one in Popular Mechanics looked at, looked at a college professor who had installed a or was designing a car that was going to use um, acoustics and gyroscopes and other stuff like that so that the car could drive itself. So these are two very different systems, right? In the first one, you're talking about creating an infrastructure in which cars would navigate through. The other one is looking at focusing all the technology in the car itself. Yeah. And those are two themes that kind of carry through throughout the whole self-driving car uh, concept. Yeah, I think that these... uh these two articles are actually the start of, uh, I'm, there probably was other stuff too, but I mean, this is probably the era in which people started taking the idea seriously and started looking at realistic possibilities to make this stuff work because they are still talking about these technologies now as, yeah. as methods of handling this. Yeah, yeah, there was another popular science article in 1967 called How You'll Drive the Amazing Herbmobile. 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 And uh, the idea here was that uh, you could manually drive this vehicle uh, when you were, say, going on a cross-country trip. But then whenever you would enter an urban area that had its own infrastructure, you would connect to that, and it would become uh, almost like a little individual subway car, which, again, just like Minority Report. Irby rides again. 
Oh, Irby goes bananas. <laughs> so the uh, the so I've said Minority Report a couple of times. The Minority Report, Steven Spielberg went to Lexus and said, uh, we're doing this movie. It's set in Washington, D.C. in 2054. Tell me what you envision cars in 2054 to be like. And uh, although uh, we clearly will be in the singularity by then and thus we will have merged <laughs> with cars, they went ahead and went with the whole non-singularity version. Um, and and their cars were very much the way the 1967 article mentioned. It was mm-hmm. a, a maglev system in the um, in the, the minority report mm-hmm. that your car would connect to. And it would even allow you to drive up buildings. So you would park your car at your, like, let's say you live in a high-rise apartment. Mm-hmm. You could actually drive up the side. And granted, you're not doing the driving. The car is doing the driving. The car would right. move up the side of the building to your apartment, and you would just get step out of your car to your apartment without having to go to an elevator or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Literally door-to-door type stuff makes me think of uh, the the Great Muppet Caper. <laughs> like, uh, where are you it's going? The Happiness time. Hotel. Where are you? Where are you staying? Uh, second floor. Oh, I'm sorry. He can only take you as far as the lobby because <laughs> he didn't have that technology. Right. See. Yes. Anyway, so we could we could talk about the history all day. <laughs> yeah. Right. So let's let's move on a little bit. We'll we'll head up to recent years. Like let's go to 2004. Yeah. We're going to talk about DARPA, mm-hmm. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Now DARPA has been the genesis of many amazing technological developments over the years, mm-hmm. including a little thing you might know called the Internet. Yes, but then they didn't really have the uh, the D. They were uh, sort of D-less. Yeah, they were ARPA back then, but they're DARPA now. And um, they, they issued a challenge back in 2002 mm-hmm. for teams to create self-driving cars that would be able to go through a predetermined route but they would not get the predetermined route until the day of the competition. And uh, it was supposed to be both on-road and off-road capabilities, and it was a it was a pretty good distance, too, that they mm-hmm. were supposed to go. This was the 2004 Grand Challenge. So in 2004, you had all these teams join uh, this, uh, this Grand Challenge, um, and sadly, none of them successfully navigated the course. Well, um, that was only the first of the Grand Challenges, though. They followed it up again in 2005 and uh, again, I believe, in 2007. Yeah, and 2005 was uh, essentially a a new version of the same course, and that year was a different story. That Mm -hmm. year, uh, they actually had um, a couple of teams finish. Uh, the one that won was uh, Stanford's team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in 2007, I believe six teams completed the course. Yeah, six teams. And, and 2007 was different. Like 2004 and 2005 was, again, like kind of this uh, – it started in um, in California and ended in uh, – uh, where was it? Nevada, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Nevada. So it was a it was a pretty long trip, and it had mostly there was a little bit of suburban navigation they had to go through, but mostly it was cross country. Mm-hmm. The uh, 2007 challenge was an urban challenge where the vehicles had to navigate an urban landscape, and there were uh, there were cars already on the road that were manned vehicles mm-hmm. that had uh, like professional stunt drivers driving the cars and they were in very well protected you know roll cage type scenario kind of vehicles uh, that would simulate traffic so these 
automated self-driving cars were supposed to be able to navigate through an urban setting and be able to go through traffic without having any terrible accidents. Closed course. Professional driver. Do not attempt. Right. And, uh, yeah, out of the 11 teams that qualified for the actual event, six of them did eventually finish it. Uh, not all six finished them within the time limit that was set, but there were six teams that actually managed to get through. Uh, the team that placed first that year was the Tartan Racing Team from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and they won $2 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanford that year came in second place, even though technically they finished the course first, uh, but they they had more little strikes against them for a tiny little... I think Stanford um, had a collision, actually. Ooh. There was one... and When I say collision, I mean... Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't Stanford. I actually have the note here. It was Cornell and MIT. Oh, okay. They they weren't disqualified. They gently bumped sides as they both tried to uh, share a lane, and they that's when people went up to the Cornell and MIT people and said, "Did you not know that a physical object cannot ex- exist within the same space and time as a second physical object I'm, within the same dimension?" I'm I'm willing to bet that they knew that already. Yeah, well, didn't w- wouldn't know it from that. Well, anyway, I'll tell so- you, you know we. <laughs> I'm yeah. kidding. If you go to Cornell or MIT, I know you're smarter than I am. Don't write to me. <laughs> yes, but uh, as anyone who follows racing knows, trade and paint's part of it. Yeah, trade and paint. Yeah, way, way to go. If you play Burnout, you would be great at this. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I've got this little... Let me let me read this one little bit that came from the press release of the 2007 Urban Challenge. Okay. After strong starts by all the finalists, by mid-morning, almost half of the field had been removed from the race for a variety of reasons. Terramax, a returning crowd favorite, went awry in a parking lot and was stopped moments before entering the old commissary building. (laughs) It was hungry. Apparently so. This would be a bad self-driving car to be sitting in. If it it disregards the presence of a building, that is a failure. No, 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 no. <laughs> Please, no, 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 no. Yeah, and um, uh, that kind of leads us to even more recent developments. So lots of different engineers are working on self-driving cars. It's not just in the United States. There are teams in Italy and Germany. In mm-hmm. fact, I was talking to, to Chris before the podcast that a team in Germany has created a, uh, a, a self-driving Passat that is called the MIG, MIG, because it stands for Made in Germany. I still think it could be a strike fighter. I'm just wondering why it wouldn't be a D for Deutschland. I don't know. Anyway, so there's there, there a, would th- probably be more letters if it were in German. There's another big company that's been in the news recently for introducing a self-driving car program. Hmm, who could that be? It's not Apple. <laughs> it's yeah. not Microsoft. It's Google. Google. Yeah, Google uh, made the news. Actually, this was one of those things that was interesting. I had heard a rumor, and I won't ex- I won't explain how, but I had heard a rumor that Google was working on something that was mind-blowing and unlike anything else they had ever done, and it turned out it was this. That's a, That was the extent of the rumor I heard, by the way. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it actually pertain to until the news broke that Google, and the news broke by Google blogging about it. It's a big surprise. Um, but Google revealed that they their engineers had been working on a new method of self-driving cars, and they said that their goal was to, quote, help prevent traffic accidents, free up people's time, and reduce carbon emissions by fundamentally changing car use. And uh, so far, their cars, which... Uh, 
it's a fleet of Priuses and one Audi TT, oh, uh, according yeah. to uh, the Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have logged uh, over 140,000 driving miles. Impressive. Yeah, most impressive. They're not <laughs> Jedi yet. Um, they're, so how do they do this? Well, their cars have video cameras, laser range finders, and radar sensors that allow them to uh, to be able to see the traffic, to perceive the traffic that happens to be around them. Yeah. Uh, as for getting around, they rely upon maps that are generated by uh, cars that actually had manned, they were manned vehicles. Yeah, I, I, sh- I should point out that um, that uh, well, of course, one unlike the DARPA Urban Challenge, um, there are actual other cars on actual roads. Although the uh, I believe the police are aware of where they're going and what their plans are, just to be on the safe side, they want to be on the up and up. And there is a passenger, there is a, a human being in the car. At There's the actually time. two passengers. There are two. Yeah, one of I them is just one. No, no, no. There's one who's a driver who can take over the car if necessary. There's some sort of failure. No, 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 no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. <laughs> that's how. That's how uh, Fry would say it. Okay. <laughs> um, my wife would love that reference, but she doesn't listen to my podcast. The uh, the other one was a software engineer. Mm-hmm. So you had two people in the car uh, that could impact the vehicle, <laughs> not literally, but who, they could they could change <laughs> the course of the vehicle if it became necessary. Yes. Um, and these cars were not low profile. They they had very a very large weird rack on top of them that contained the the equipment that allowed them to navigate through traffic. Right. Uh, but, you know, you look at one of these things and you're like, something's going on there because that ain't right. You know, it just it looked unlike anything else you had ever seen. And um, hope there are no low overpasses as some of the Google Street View cars have found out that, uh, <laughs> that yeah. antenna can be it would a be, liability. It, would, it, would, those it wasn't that. Well, first of all, they were on Priuses, which are not very tall vehicles. So that helped. But the... Uh, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing that this was a project that w- they've been doing secretly for a while now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and But again, they were at least smart enough to let the local police know. Because, you know, you don't want the police to find out after the fact. I heard that one of them has been involved in an accident. Mm. But in that case, it was an accident where the vehicle was rear-ended by another, ve- by a manned vehicle. So in that case, it was not... Not necessarily the fault of the vehicle. But I, I don't know the, the full details. It could be. It could be that the Google vehicle stopped short and didn't give the person behind enough time to react. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the details. I just, I had heard before we went into the studio that one of them had been involved in a minor fender bender accident. Right, right. Um, and and so without any more information, I can't really say whether it was the fault of the, the driver or the driverless car. Um, it's an interesting concept. What do you, what's your take on on self-driving vehicles? What do you think about it? Well, I'm... Um it's funny because this goes back to a uh, to another related topic that Josh Clark and I talked about on Stuff You Should Know way back when I used to be the co-host of that show, like two years plus ago now, uh, back when our podcasts were all five minutes long. Uh, we talked about personal rapid transport. And this seems very much like that, where you you know you get in your vehicle, you tell tell it where it is you want to go, and it takes you there. Um, I do think taking the human side out is both good and bad because 
on, in the good sense, if you can regulate everything, get it to the point where everybody is moving at the same speed, the vehicles are talking to one another, so you could say, oh, car number 16 way on up ahead is braking, I should slow down in comparison. You could theoretically cut down on some of the traffic jam problems and uh, you know potentially cut down on accidents, might uh, speed up drive time. As, as Google said, um, you know, perhaps cut down on carbon emissions. But at the same time, people like to drive. Yeah, I mean, you could you could probably talk to Scott and Ben about <laughs> at, at car stuff about that because yeah, Scott's talked a little just... bit about about self driving cars on car stuff before. I should say so. If you have not heard the car stuff uh, yeah. podcast, you might want to check those out because I think they did do a, a podcast specifically about self driving cars. Yeah, and they talk about all kinds of other uh, vehicular stuff too. That's just it's a fascinating podcast. But yeah. but uh, you know, people like to drive too, and then a lot of the comments I've seen that are negative about self driving cars are not. You know, oh, well, you know, what about foot traffic, which is a legitimate concern. You right. Could, the cars, if the cars talk to each other, they're talking to each other. But, you know, the, the lady walking her dog and listening to music who's really tuned into her favorite song and not paying attention, the car, the car is not going to know what she's thinking. So, you know, you can't really take those kinds of unknowns into that. But more than that, I've seen, I've seen comments by people who are going to say, but I like driving my car. Yeah, I think... Um I think this will really, I think it'll really come into play more for things like urban driving. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think that is because the people who like driving their car are not are also the same people who say they hate traffic. Yeah, um, driving your car and sitting in traffic are two different things. When you're when not I, driving, you're sitting. In. Yeah, I think when you're thinking about driving in driving a, a car, you're thinking, okay, you're on the open road, and you can mm-hmm. you can you know open it up a little bit, and you can uh, take in the vista and and really feel the you know what your how your the performance of your car is doing that kind of stuff, which you don't get when you're sitting in traffic that's just crawling along on a freeway somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if it's one of those systems where you can take manual control of your vehicle or you can hand it over to an automated system whenever you whenever that would be the most beneficial, I think those stand the best chance of success. Yeah. Unless it's mandated, in which case I don't see how that works because I mean you're talking about having to tell people you got to get rid of this private property that you legitimately own and replace it with something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the resistance to that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Well, I do think, uh, unlike those earlier uh, articles from 1933 and, and, and back at that time, I think we're a lot closer technologically to being to having what we need to make it happen. It's just going to be difficult to overcome. Uh, you know, we've already got sensors that will tell you if uh, somebody's drifting off when they go to sleep. They could tell where, you know, whether there's a lane change coming up and and you're in danger, uh, whether you're leaving your lane, things like that. These and things collision are, detection. There's yeah. collision detection as well. These things are all very useful. But um, one thing that I think is very interesting was Paul, Paul Marx's take on it from the New Scientist, who says that Google is not completely altruistic. In wanting to implement this technology. Ah, uh, yes. All right. Why don't you explain that, and then I'll have an explosion, and then we can r- wrap this up. Okay. Well, do you remember a minute ago when I was, uh, well, a few minutes ago now, when I was talking about the uh, highway Magic Highway USA? Yes. Uh, video, and well, Dad's going to be taking a conference call on his video screen as he's driving. Well, uh, Mr. Marx feels that Google may be planning something similar too and if you're not driving if the danger is taken out of uh, taking your eyes off the wheel to take a conference call or watch a movie or say click on a few uh, AdSense ads 
Uh, Google would like your eyes on its screen, thank you very much, and not on the road. And let's just take the stress of driving out so that you can be more plugged in to the Internet instead. Mr. Marks, this is Jonathan speaking. <laughs> um, do you commonly step outside on your porch and shake your fist at the kids and yell at them to get off your lawn? I do. Okay, well, you're already a Mr. Grouchy Pants. We already have established this Shut in up. the podcast. So at any rate, here's, here's, here's how I look at this. I know it's easy to look at Google and say it's a mega corporation and therefore anything it does is somewhat suspect. I mean, we are automatically have an initial innate distrust in these sort of mega corporations. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a healthy thing to have. We should always maintain that sort of skepticism and, and ask questions. However, Google is also a company founded by engineers. Engineers, as I have said before, often look at the world as a series of problems that need to be solved in some way. They're not looking at it as a way of making money necessarily, although that is always nice. They are looking at it as a way of saying, hey, there's this fundamental issue that we face day to day that is somehow impacting our lives in a negative way. How can we solve this so that it no longer has such a negative impact? And it really does come from a wish to make the world a better place. I really do feel that many of the things Google does comes from this desire, mm-hmm. right? That at least the initial idea, the 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 drive to do it, so to speak. I know, I know. As soon as I said it, I knew you were going to do that. Anyway, the drive to, to create these ideas, I think, comes from a pure intention. Now, Google's a company, so it's in their interest to monetize these ideas and to make money off of them, generate revenue from them. So, yeah, ultimately what you get from the, as the, the the product of this idea is going to be somewhat sullied by capitalism. <laughs> It's it has to happen, but without the capitalism, you don't have the money to fund the idea. So, I'm not so quick to jump on the hey, you know why Google's doing this? They're doing it so that they can take money from your pockets by getting your eyeballs on this advertising. No, I think the reason why Google's doing it is they're saying, you know, we've got this incredible amount of knowledge and expertise at our fingertips, and the world has some serious problems that need to be fixed, and we have the chance to actually make an impact without making impacts. How about we? We do that. Does that sound good to you guys? Yeah? All right, let's do that. Um, so that's my perspective. I don't think Google's totally blameless. I don't think they're they're staffed by angels. I don't think you hear the angelic choir as you walk through the door of Google yet, because I don't think they got the speakers working. But I don't think that it's all, you know, a nefarious plan to get more money. <laughs> it looks like you want to drive to Buffalo. You know, Buffalo is where they make Splorb. Splorb is a great flip. If they have Clippy as your navigator, I will jump out of the car. That's Microsoft, though. That's yeah, exactly. not Google. It looks like you're trying to drive a car. <laughs> it looks like you're going through the drive-thru. Would you like to know how to order a Big Mac? All right. With that being said, let's wrap this up. If you guys have any comments or questions about self-driving cars or anything else along those lines, maybe you know, let us know what you think. Do you think a self-driving car is a good idea? Do you you think you would never get in a self-driving car or why would you be afraid of for your safety or is it just something you don't 
think is interesting or or good. Self-flying um, cars. Hey, there's the Pentagon's working on that. A Humvee self-flying car. I'm not even joking. You can look you it serious? up. A self a flying Humvee is one of the projects the Pentagon's working on now. Go back and do a Google search on it. Okay. Anyway, and you guys can do it too. Let us know what you think. You can pop on our Facebook or Twitter. Uh, the handle is techstuffhsw, or you can email us. That email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. If you're a Tech Stuff fan, be sure to check us out on Twitter. Tech Stuff HSW is our handle, and you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash techstuffhsw. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.